This is Novel Marketing, the show for novelists who aren't necessarily fond of marketing, but still want to become best-selling authors. Episode 139. I'm James L. Rubart, but you can call me Jim. I'm Thomas Umstead, Jr. I'm Chad Allen. And in this episode, we're going to talk to you guys about ways you can be more effective in your marketing, in your approach to the business side of publishing, and how to stay motivated when you feel like giving up with, as you've probably suspected, a special guest, Chad Allen. Uh, I first met Chad back in, I think it was 2014, at the OCW conference, and then we connected again at the Rewrite Ragged Edge conference in 2015. And since then, I've watched Chad go from the editorial director at Baker Books to starting his own venture, which was actually pretty recently. And what I've seen is a man who not only has a talent with books, but someone that has successfully launched his own business, which is, as we often say on the podcast, whether you're an indie author or a traditionally published author, whether you're writing nonfiction or fiction, something you have to think about, something you have to consider yourself as a small business. So today we're going to pick Chad's brain a little bit and see what it takes to succeed in publishing today. Chad, thank you very much for being here. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, yeah, fun to have you. I, I I saw you over the years start to develop your email list and develop a lot of great lead magnets and really build that thing. So when I saw the announcement on LinkedIn that you'd broken off and said, hey, I'm going, here, here, here it is. I was, I was excited for you. So congratulations on that. Thank you very much. It's exciting for me too. You know, you talk about your mission being to help creative people find their voice and do their art, which I love that statement. So tell us a little bit more about that. Well, I think uh, a great metaphor for the creative life for writing is breathing. You know, there's, there's the inhale part and the exhale part and inhale is about, it's about um, sort of whether you call it personal development, self-care, um, you know, being conscientious and intentional about the things that, that stimuli, you know, your gray matter, um, uh, the books that you read, the podcasts that you listen to, um, all of that is kind of um, finding your voice in the sense that you're nurturing your own voice. You are um, you're introducing yourself to different resources and uh, sources of wisdom and insight, and uh, and so on. So that's that's all sort of I, that's what I think of as finding your voice. All that kind of um, inhale kind of work. And then the exhale work is, is the action, you know, do, doing the work, executing, um, doing your art. So, um, you know, this, this is all about showing up and, um, you know, coming up with a bunch of bad ideas before you come up with a good idea, because that's what it takes. Um, so when I talk about find your voice, do your art, those are the things that I have in mind, you know, first of all, taking care of yourself, finding your voice, and then, and then actually doing the work and doing it, um, you know, regularly, whether you want to or not, we all know that that's necessary. Do you find that it, you talk about the idea of inhaling? I love that idea of inhaling all these different things. Do you find that people, creative people will get in a rut while where they will watch the same type of TV shows, same type of movies, same type of podcasts, et cetera, et cetera. And, and do you ever come along and go, guys, listen to a podcast you'd never listen to or a show you'd never watch that kind of thing. Does that help the creative process? Yeah. I mean, I think relationships are so important and, um, being around people who are also engaged in creative work, who can recommend different resources. I, I was just, I just had lunch today with a friend who 
we were sharing book ideas. And I said, you know what? I don't think I read a book unless it's been recommended to me. I very rarely am just on Amazon and see something and go, I'm going to buy that. It's, that's not what I do. I, I use the recommendations of my, of my friends, friends with, you know, speaking very broadly. I mean, I mean podcasts that I listen to, articles that I read. Um, so I think it's important that we're engaged with others who are with us on this creative journey, who can help keep that stimuli pool healthy and vibrant, if you will. Um, so that's, that's my advice there. Yeah, that's really good. Thomas and I are part of a mastermind group, same mastermind group. And I can't tell you the number of times somebody will mention something. It's like, I've never heard of that. I have to dive into that and take a look at that things I never would have found on my own. So that idea of community, I think is really critical. Yeah, me too. You know, one of your most popular posts on your website and folks, you, you will, we'll give you the link later on, but Chad has a lot of great resources on his website, but one of your blog posts is how to do more of the work you love and less of the work you hate. And I would think all of our listeners are going, yes, please tell me how to tell me how to do that without them having to go and read the blog post. Tell us kind of the crux of that. Well, I think it starts with identifying what is the work that you love to do. And I'm assuming that for many of your listeners, it's writing. It's, um, you know, the creative act of uh, writing, whether it's, um, you know, character development or, or plot lines, or just sitting down and getting into the zone and writing. And so, and, and you know, the, the work we hate to do, um, you know, that varies from person to person. But I think the way that you end up doing more of the work you love is, well, there are four key things. One is deciding that this is important to you and you're going to commit to it to the long haul. The next is acting, like we talked about before, doing the work. I think Stephen Pressfield wrote a book called Do the Work. And then uh, relationships, I think, is really, really important. Um, I talk to a lot of writers who who talk about being stuck. They just feel like, uh, like, you, like you talked about, they're in a rut, they're stuck. And my advice over and over again is reach out, reach out to somebody, you know, um, because nine times out of 10, that's going to that's going to do that's going to do a world of, of good for you. And then uh, time, you have to manage your time. So, so it goes by the acronym DART, Decision, Action, Relationships, and Time. And uh, I think if we get those practices right, um, we'll end up doing more of the work we love and less of the work we hate. So talk to me about the introverted writer. There are a few that are introverted. Out there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And and they say, yeah, I'd love to reach out, but I I'm I'm intimidated. I'm scared. I I I don't know if people will reach back. What do you say to that person? That's great. That's a great question. I I um I think I mean the great thing about living in this digital era that we live in is you you can still preserve some some level of anonymity and still get connected with other people. Um uh, but you know, I'm I'm very sympathetic to introverts, and I, I don't consider myself an introvert. I'm I'm definitely more extroverted, but I'm definitely sympathetic. And I would hate for them to do anything that made them um, sort of feel uncomfortable. So they need they need to take care of themselves with whatever they've been given. You know, however their their preferences are. But I do think there are ways that are less threatening. Facebook groups come to mind um, that. Uh, that don't require as much, but can still provide a genuine connection, can still provide a, a forum that allows them to ask questions that they really need answers to. So, um, so I, I don't know, that's, that's one idea. Yeah, I like that. I like that a lot. I, I, I have this thing called the Rubart Writing Academy where we, it's a small intensive four day event. And there was one gal that was there and she was part of a, a group, an online private group. 
and they've gotten very vulnerable and intimate with each other. It's a group of ladies and a number of them have never met in person and yet they have achieved this connection. So I think that's a great, a great way for people to connect. Uh, you wrote a manifesto and I love the title of it. I haven't read it. <laughs> I haven't even read it, but I love the title of it right off the bat. bat do your art, a manifesto on rejecting apathy to bring your best to the world. And that's one of the things I've seen shut down writers more than anything else is, first of all, they don't think they have any best to offer. It's like, wh what am I going to say? And because of that, they do slip into apathy and this writing dream just you know, gets on the back burner and then goes so far back, it slips off the, the stove. What, tell us a little bit about that manifesto, why you created it and kind of the heart of it. Yeah, well, I wrote, I read a book uh, by Todd Henry called The Accidental Creative that made a big impact on my life. And uh, that was the first book that, um, the first book I encountered that suggested that you could live life in a way that could maximize your creative potential. You know, you could sort of optimize the way you live to become your most creative self. And uh, that was really a, a light switch moment for me. And uh, I started uh, trying to to live that way. You know, I got more intentional about the stimuli. I got more intentional about my relationships, um, the, my, my energy, um, the time and how I spent it. Um, I started thinking about what's one thing that I need to do every day to just stay in the game. You know, even, uh, you know, even if it's just writing 30 minutes each day, what's, what's that one thing that I need to keep doing over and over again until something hits. And it was in the process of doing that for about a year that I realized this has really been transformative for me. And I'll bet there are others uh, for whom this could be transformative. So uh, Todd Henry wrote an endorsement for my book, Do Your Art. Um, but I really, I, it's really my riff on Todd Henry's work and it's much shorter than Todd Henry's book. And it's sort of how I applied it and helping others apply it. So that's why I wrote it. I wanted to help people sort of get out of their own way and, uh, get excited about whatever creative project, uh, you know, they're, they're passionate about. And then, and then get to it. So the book is, as as Henry puts it, it's a, it's kind of a kick in the pants. And um, you know, I don't know about you, but sometimes I need one of those <laughs> <laughs> once a year. That's all I need. <laughs> well, and, and that's the thing where I, the more I work with writers, and the more I work one on one, and and doing this Rubart Writing Academy, the more I find again and again and again the biggest factor often is the motivation. How do I keep going? How do I keep going? So I love that you're doing that. Yeah, that's good. Yeah. Uh, you know, Chad, we have a lot of listeners who are going the indie route, um, but we have a lot that are hybrid as well, as well as those that are just simply going after the traditional path to publishing. You were an editor that I'll say accepted hundreds of books and rejected thousands. Um, so tell us the very first thing you look at when a proposal comes your way and why you look at that. Right. Well, the very first, I wrote a blog post about this um, and I talk about the importance of an author's bio and I'll definitely speak to that. But obviously the first thing I look at when I open the document is the cover page, which usually includes the title and subtitle. Um, and that definitely does give a first impression. So um, it's really, really important that your listeners, as they write, work on their book proposals, that they come up with a dynamic uh, title uh, that that really captures attention. But then I go to the bio. And the reason is, as soon as an author signs a contract, 
they are not just an artist, although they are certainly that, and that's very important. Um, they're also a business partner and um, they, you know, they, whether they, whether they know it or not, the publisher is sending them advance money because they have a hope of recouping and then surpassing their investment. And so we like to do business, uh, you know, in the publishing world, publishing people, professionals like to do business with, um, with sure bets, you know, with authors who um, demonstrate that they have the network, the hustle um, to, to sell to sell copies, to move enough copies to earn back the investment. We also like to work with people with whom we enjoy having dinner. Uh, so, <laughs> because we're, we're, we often have dinner with, uh, with the authors we publish. So that bio tells us a lot. It tells us something about, um, you know, what they're going to be like in terms of a business partner. It also tells us something about what they're going to be like as a person, and both are important. Interesting. I, I, I never would have thought you would give that answer, but it makes sense because you get, in my mind, and we have an episode, those of you who are new to the show, we have an episode number 79, how to write a crazy cool bio, because I agree that that bio tells you a lot about their personality. It tells you a lot about where they're going in life, where they've been. It really gives you a flavor for who that person is. And so a bio has to capture you, but I didn't, I didn't think that would be the first thing, but it makes sense. You, you want to like the people you're working with. That's it. That's it. Absolutely. Huh? Hey, uh, Chad, we're going to take a quick break because we, uh, joined Thomas and I recently joined Patreon where we have patrons that are now, uh, helping fund the show and cover some of our costs. So in the middle of the show, we always do a featured, uh, patron who gets their book or their website talked about. So Thomas, tell us about this week's featured patron. Yeah, this week we're highlighting Eloise White, uh, who's one of our patrons. And while she doesn't have a book to feature, uh, she has a website that uh, we're featuring instead, and it's Soul Inspirations, and it specializes in promoting Christian fiction. Uh, so she has new releases, a directory, community aspect, reviews, and a whole lot more. You should check it out at soulinspirationswithaz.com, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes. And thank you, Eloise, for supporting the show. We really appreciate it. So Chad, as we talked about, you went and before the show started, I th- didn't you say that you've you've been out the door three weeks doing your own thing? Is that right? That's right. I'm in week three. Yeah. Okay. Congratulations on the 21 day, 21 day <laughs> habit, I guess. Thank you. <laughs> so, so tell us about that. How is that going so far? What's good and what's bad about it so far? And what lessons, even in these weeks, first of all, preparing to go out the door and now having gone out the door, what can our listeners glean from that in terms of how they need to think about their own, their own business? Yeah. Well, the first thing that comes to mind when you ask that question is the importance, if you're married, of getting, getting <laughs> on the same page as your spouse. And if you want to stay married, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, you, you both need to be in this. Um, and it's not to say that your spouse has to understand everything about what you do and why you do it, but they, you definitely need to include them in, in the process and, and ask them, you know, if, if I wanted to do this, uh, what would have to be true for you to, for you to feel comfortable about it? We had very real conversations, um, uh, about just that. Um, so, and we, we, so we went on that journey together and eventually got to a place where, uh, we were both comfortable with my 
uh, making the transition. So um, right now I'm still in that sort of honeymoon euphoria, you know, where I where I, I walk into my home office at 9 a.m. and I'm wearing shorts. And I got to tell you, I was 15 getting really, second commute. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I was getting kind of tired of khakis and button down shirts. So um, so this is, uh, you know, this is just amazing. And, um, you know, obviously we did we did the smart thing of instead of um, making the leap, as people often uh, refer to it, we really did try to build a bridge and uh, and, and sock away a bunch of money to. Uh, to be to serve as a kind of buffer fund for us, you know, we have two kids and uh, we like to eat, and <laughs> so so <laughs> got in the habit, yeah, so got in the habit. So so um, so that has has allowed me some freedom now to um, to roll up my sleeves, and I've already got some things going, but to sca- try to scale those things, and it gives me the freedom to fail. I think that's huge. You know, you need the freedom to fail. And, and I, I feel like I have some freedom to fail so that I can keep figuring out uh, what is going to work. And, um, uh, but so far, it's been a blast. Oh, that's great. You know, it makes me think when you say getting your spouse involved, it makes us, me think of any writer out there. How many of us as writers have not sat down with our spouse and said, you know what, this is what I'm doing. This is what I'm hoping for. These are my plans instead of just doing it. Um, and I never did that with my wife when I started this dream, even though she was the one that really kicked it off my writing dream. I, I never sat down and went through a business plan. And that's probably a really good idea. Yeah. Well, I, I think it is. I mean, if I think the, th- the here's the thing, our spouses, ha- you know, they have an ability to either really motivate us or really, you know, dampen our motivation. And so I think the fear of, of sharing something that's so important to us is that they're going to say something that de- demotivates us, or at least, you know, that can be a fear. And so I think you can just be honest about that too and say, look, I, I have something to share with you, but I got to be honest, it feels a little bit like showing you you know, something that's really precious to me. And, and, uh, I hope that we can have a, uh, a productive and constructive conversation about this. And, uh, and, and, you know, you, you gotta be smart about it. You know, you don't, you, um, you do want to protect it. Uh, but you also, I think it's important that, that married couples are, are t- on the same page with each other's dreams. So, and I, I think it is something that gets neglected. Mm, that's good. Okay, assignment. If you haven't done that, you need to get <laughs> And if you're needing help, we actually, in one of our courses, have a step-by-step guide on how to create a business plan specifically for your writing. Uh, so it's not just for the IRS. It's also for uh, your spouse. You give that presentation to your spouse and get her feedback or his feedback. It's a great way of getting all of your thoughts on, on the page, so to speak. Good plan. So, Chad, you talk about a particular mindset that authors must adopt. And what I have been learning in my own personal life lately for the last year or so is perception is everything. How we perceive, how we attack a problem, how we view circumstances, be they good or bad coming at us. And so I'm guessing that that ties into the mindset that we have to have as writers. Tell us what that is. And I guess maybe the more important question is, okay, we know this mindset, but how do we keep it from slipping away? Mm, Yeah. Well, that's a great question. You know, I think the whole game is about how do you make the writing process sustainable? How do you do this in a way that you can keep doing it for a long, long time? 
Um, and the, the quote that comes to mind is from Stephen King. Um, if you can do it for the joy, you can do it forever. And, uh, you know, a lot of us get into this because it's fun and we enjoy it. And uh, I think of Roald Dahl, who uh, went to his little writer's cabin behind his house, and he, he literally got into a sleeping bag and got just as cozy as he could so that he could get into the zone and keep on getting some work done. And he was the first to say, like, at first, you're just typing. You're not, it's not even really writing. You know? <laughs> it's, pretty, it's pretty awful <laughs> stuff. Uh, so you just start typing, and then eventually you do a little writing, you know. And so, uh, so I'm, I'm very, um, I'm very keen on making sure this stays fun, making sure that you are enjoying the work. Now, does that mean that, uh, Roald Dahl enjoyed taking that walk back to his writer's cabin every morning? No, I'm sure there were some mornings he would have loved to sleep in, you know? Um, but, uh, but as often as you can do that. And then, like you said, when you, when you go off the rails and it's not fun anymore, and you're kind of sick of it and you're fed up and so on, then you might need to take a break. You know, you, <laughs> you might need to read a really good book. Um, uh, and, and the other thing that I notice among writers is they're so obsessed with traffic and with email subscribers and, uh, and getting a publishing deal and all those kinds of other, other things. Um, and those things, I don't mean to discredit the importance of those things. They are important. But the reality is um, the people who are in the long game are the people who win. Um, you know, so I just encourage writers, be in the business of the long game. Find something you're passionate about that you can spend a long time doing. Find an audience that you can serve for a long time and, um, and show up. And when you get tired, take a nap, go for a walk. I mean, sometimes we do need to just... We, we've been giving, giving, giving so much. We've been writing, writing, writing so much. We need, we, we need to take a break and, and receive. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. In fact, sometimes when we take a little time to receive, it's just after that that we do our most incredible work. So those are some ideas. I think that is huge. I think that's absolutely huge. It's, it's, the, it's the pro athlete that goes, wow, I started this game because I was a kid and I loved playing the sport. That's why I started it. And then it's consumed me and et cetera, et cetera. And, and you're right. Those things can consume us. It's like, you're not playing anymore. You're, it, it's become a job. And uh, that's good. That's good. That almost makes me not want to ask this next next question, but I'm, I'm going to because I think it, it is important. You you mentioned earlier, Chad, you said, you know, these days it's like if I'm going to listen to a podcast or read a book or watch a show, it all comes through word of mouth. And statistics show that most books, 80%, are sold through word of mouth. So that that is the critical thing, right? Writing a book, working on your craft, and Thomas and I are big on this, work on your craft to the point that word of mouth spreads the news to other people. But there is that 20% that's still marketing. And you are a guy that you know was part of hundreds and hundreds of books at Baker. So since this is called the Novel Marketing Podcast, I would love just a few thoughts from you on you know what you think authors need to do. They can't do everything. But in your mind, what are the marketing things where you go, guys, I want to see this in a proposal. If you're going traditionally published, put this in your proposal. What do you coach people to do marketing-wise that you're working on with one-on-one? 
Yeah, well, you're right. It starts with a product that sort of markets itself. So uh, do lots of work and then listen to your audience and and the feedback they give you and and really listen and tweak it and um, and make it better. You know, get as good as you possibly can at really serving your your audience, really doing excellent, excellent work. Um, but that doesn't mean I'm opposed to advertising. Advertising, in my mind, um, is letting the people know that, you you know, the people that you've envisioned for this thing that you've made, letting them know that it exists. And um, that I think there's definitely a place for that. I don't think we, we ever need to try to reach everybody because we didn't create it for everybody. We created it for a certain group of people. So marketing is about is about reaching those people and inviting them into um, into contact with you. I can think of no better way of doing that than an email list. Um, just because you own your email list and you don't own your Facebook account, a lot of people don't know that, but they don't. Uh, so, right, so, right. <laughs> um, so, uh, so, I uh, I think building uh, prioritizing an email list and getting clever about that, getting creative about that. And, um, but not doing it in a, in a, in a sort of salesy, sleazy way, but doing it in a way of like, you know, I'm, I, I, here's this thing that I'm doing. I'm doing it for people like you, I think, would you be willing to, to uh, stay connected with me and let me know what you think of it? You know, um, I think of building an, is people talk about building an email list and, and they can, they often say that with this kind of grunting and sighing about how, how, um, <laughs> how difficult it can be, but building your email list is really about loving on your tribe. You know, it's about it's about caring for people and doing it again. This, seems, this feels like a theme here in this interview, but um, doing it for the long haul. And if you keep doing that uh, and you do it for the joy, it will happen over time. Um, so some some lucky few will go viral, uh, although sometimes that luck backfires and they end up worse off than they started. Uh, but for most of us, it's it just takes a while. And um, but if you're like like King said, if you're doing it. If you're doing it for the right reasons, you can do it for a long, long time. Love that. So Chad, uh, have loved having you on the show today. How do people, what's the best way for people to get connected with you? Maybe join your email list, read your blog post. What's the best place? My blog is chadrallen.com. If people just Google Chad Allen writing, they'll find me. Okay. And as always, we'll have a link in the show notes um, for that. Anything else, Chad, before we go to the uh, sponsor of today's show? Yeah, I just want to say to writers, you know, we need your voice. Um, The world needs it. And, uh, uh, you know, so when you get discouraged and when you come up against something that just feels uh, devastating, um, do do what you need to do to take care of yourself and get back out there because we really do need what you have to offer. No one can offer it but you and your voice is really, really important. So hang in there. You have lots of resources, including this podcast and um, keep after it. I oh, love that. Love that. Thomas. All right. This episode has been brought to you by listeners like you. So thank uh, thanks to all of you who support the show on patreon.com. And uh, for those of you who are new, you may not know that our patrons get a lot of cool 
bonuses. They get bonus episodes that are only available uh, to patrons. In fact, we recently released a new episode that's a bundle uh, that's all about being on podcasts, how to be a podcast guest, how to start a podcast of your own. So if you've ever been curious about podcasting, that's the most recent bundle. And it's a, I think it's around an hour's worth of audio of me and Jim talking about how to do that. But the other thing that patrons get is huge discounts off of our courses. So the course we mentioned earlier about um, business advice, it also has tax advice uh, that I did with a CPA, it's 50% off for our patrons. So if you join and you spend a couple of dollars to become a patron, you can save a lot of money and then you can quit if you're not happy and you still get to keep that savings. So uh, we encourage you to check out our Patreon page at novelmarketing.com. This has been James L. Rubart, Thomas Umstead Jr., and special guest Chad Allen on the Novel Marketing Podcast, giving you novel ideas on how to promote yourself and your writing offline, online, and everywhere in between. Thanks for listening.